branding, marketing, and advertising. These are three words that we often use interchangeably, but they mean very different things. Of course, there are similarities, there's some overlap, but there are also many more differences. Uh, to help us sift through some of those differences, I'm bringing on a woman by the name of Renee Scott. She heads up the marketing for a company called Ike's Love and Sandwiches based on the West Coast. We talk all about brand identity, brand filter, uh, and all the lessons she's learned after spending a lifetime uh, marketing restaurants. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. My goal is to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable, and then to help you find ways to incorporate what you've learned into your day-to-day operations. I want you to change your mindset and I want to challenge some of the assumptions you have about this industry. By the end of each episode, we come up with some key insights, and then I always try to finish up with an assignment. I try to leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback platform that actually drives revenue. These days, so many restaurants are using third-party delivery platforms to drive revenue, but once the food goes out the door, it's often impossible to maintain a connection to the guest. So restaurants all over the country are turning to Ovation to solve that problem. Recently voted the number one guest feedback platform in a nationwide restaurant owner survey, Ovation uses an SMS-based survey, right? So they use text messages as a digital touchpoint that is redefining guest feedback. If the experience was great, then your guests are prompted immediately to leave an online review and are then automatically invited back or urged to convert over to first-party ordering. If it wasn't great, You're notified so your team can resolve issues in real time. Get more feedback, more reviews, and more revenue with Ovation. Visit ovationup.com slash chip to get 2,000 free text messages. And don't worry, that link is in the show notes. A friendly reminder that Restaurant Strategy is now on Patreon and the community continues to grow. There are four different tiers of membership. Each one has a bunch of different perks included, but each level grants you access to our new private podcast, The Daily Special. New episodes drop every weekday, Monday through Friday, short, snackable content. Visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. So my guest on today's show is Renee Scott. She is an industry veteran and currently the chief marketing officer of Ike's Love and Sandwiches. Uh, They're based out in California. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. Glad to be here. There's a lot that we've uh, that we kind of mapped out. We we kind of did a, a pre-call just so we we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to talk about, and, and we'll see if we get to any of that or if it goes in a in another direction. More than anything, I always like these to just be a conversation. So tell me a little bit, just to give context to the listeners, how did you get into marketing and specifically marketing for restaurants? 
Yeah, I, uh, my whole career has been in restaurants. My first, uh, my first job was at an old-fashioned ice cream parlor uh, when I was 15 and uh, worked my way through college. So restaurants have been in my blood. Um, I ended up starting in an ad agency and then quickly moved to work for uh, some, some brands um, as a field marketing manager. So I started at the local level, local trading area and really helping, helping my franchisees and restaurant owners kind of build their brands within the local area. So um, moved up from there and here I am today. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about it because advertising and, and marketing are, are two words that, uh, that sometimes people, uh, confuse. So, uh, help me, uh, explain what is advertising and what is advertising not and what is marketing and what is marketing not, uh, where's the overlap, uh, and, and where are the differences? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, to me, it starts with, uh, even beyond, beyond marketing and advertising with the brand. Right, and there's a lot of different components to a brand, but um, you know, you start with the brand, then marketing falls underneath that, and marketing then would encompass anything that the anything that touches the brand to the consumer. So that interface, it could be uh, your menu items, it could be uh, the four walls of restaurant design. Typically, marketing also encompasses part of of advertising as well. Um, so then you go down to advertising and that's more of a specialty uh, where it is producing the materials and leveraging the mediums. Used to be TV, radio, print and outdoor. Uh, now we're in a whole different world, right? So now it yeah. encompasses social media and paid, um, paid advertising in the digital space and um, uh, you know, everything that we have become beyond just those, the four core that we all used to live and breathe in. Yeah. So, okay. So then you start with the brand, yes. then you go to marketing and then advertising as a subset or um, an action that flows from marketing. So then how do you think about brand? How, how do we begin to um, to think about that uh, at a small level and a, and a very large level? How, how do you think about it? Yeah, I think that's, that's another great question. And look, even the professionals a hundred times smarter than me have not all aligned on what this means. So I'm happy to give you my take on it. Um, I think I'll, I'll do that by way of a little bit more history on my background. So as I started in that, that field marketing position, I was working with a brand called Carl's Jr., um, one of the largest hamburger chains um, in the nation uh, with, with Hardee's, the sister partner. Um, so I started with that brand as a field marketing manager and really worked my way up to being the vice president of marketing. And, and as I came up through that organization, uh, I learned a lot about branding and, and uh, the organization was brilliant in being a, a leader in creating uh, what I've come brand filter. So um, you'll hear a lot about a brand's positioning statement, which is a really formal uh, construct um, that I'm not sure applies anymore, but traditionally it is, you know, 4X, which is your consumers, uh, brand Y, which is you, offers XYZ, right? And it's just a formal construct that's been in marketing forever. 
But, but at Carl's Jr., we really distilled that down to what we call the brand filter. And for those of you who know the Carl's Jr. brand, uh, in its heyday, it was a purveyor of, um, of hamburgers, uh, used a lot of beautiful women to sell these hamburgers. Um, and it, that was manifested out of our brand filter, which was, uh, we are all about big, juicy burgers for young, hungry guys. That was it, it was simple. Now we had plenty of conversations around, um, we also sell chicken sandwiches and salads and what about the women and the kids, you know, because let's be honest, you know, hamburgers, uh, everyone eats a hamburger, everybody eats a fast food hamburger, but, but the ability to apply this filter where we targeted on a specific audience with the key benefit of our product was was really the genius behind the brand at the time. I do not claim uh, responsibility for it, but I was able to execute against it as a marketer in in a way that many brands don't allow. Um, so one example of that would be, uh, you know, as a field marketer backing up, you get hit with every sponsorship under the sun, and I'm sure your restaurant owners do too. Everybody's knocking at the door, please sponsor our kids parade, or Fourth of July is coming up, but there's a dog charity. <laughs> you you know, how do you say what makes the most sense for my brand without that brand filter, right? So as a, as a field marketing manager, I could say to the uh, local uh, dog shelter, Thank you very much. We, you know, we'd love to support you, but we are about big juicy burgers for young hungry guys. So then my attention would shift to what could I do with the local college football team, right? How yeah. sponsor the high school, um, you know, cheerleading squad. So, so you can see in a way how really honing in on your brand filter just helps you in your business, in your marketing, in your your advertising. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, you were saying, you know, I don't really know that there's a place for positioning anymore. And I know what you're talking about, that very formal, you know, for people who like this, so-and-so is the thing that delivers X, Y, Z. Yeah, we we all learned it in our marketing classes. But the, the way that I think about positioning nowadays is saying, you know, who else are your competitors and what category are you in Yeah. and what part of that category, right? Like if you're in a room yeah. and there are corners to the room, you know, McDonald's is in that corner, Burger King's in that corner, Wendy's is in this corner. Well, then what corner is not taken and, and how can we own a corner of the room, right? And I think Carl's Jr. did that really well. I mean, certainly got a lot of attention with all those commercials and um, but really set themselves, you know, set themselves apart and set themselves up for the the kind of audience they were for, the kind of people they were for. This is this is who our product is for. And so that's how I think about uh, positioning. But yeah. I, I like this idea that that's the filter, that that helps you determine um, who your audience is and who your audience is not. And yeah. and it helps you make decisions uh, all the way down. So, so that's something that must have been very formative to you, right? Like learning those lessons, it, it, it's such a... Um, such a great example of that, right? Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. Um, you made an interesting comment just about, um, you know, who your audience is. And, and a piece of that, I think, is, you know, where do you sit in the minds of consumers, right? But, uh, you know, when we talked about that formal positioning statement, it just brings me down that road. Sometimes I feel like 
in in marketing and branding we just get caught up in in so much you know marketing speak and and when i work with brands and and franchisees i i really focus like to get to this brand so how do you get to the brand filter right so i gave you a great example of what i think is one of the best yeah um but how do you get there and i think it is an exercise nothing just falls out of the sky um and i think you think of two uh, for me i think of three things i think of um, as a brand, you know, what do you do? It's kind of like, who, who are you? What do you do? And that articulation needs to be really fast and focused. So like for Carl's Jr., it was, you know, we serve big juicy burgers, right? And then um, who do you do it for? Young, hungry guys. And then sometimes you want to weave in, you know, what, what makes you different or what do you do best? But if you think of just if you're a local restaurant owner or a small chain owner, if you think of those three things about your brand and don't overthink it, you know, don't, and, and also don't take a big poll of all your friend, family and friends, you know, you know, your brand, you're in the business, right? So just have a glass of wine one night and answer the three questions. Um, what do you do? Who do you do it for? And what makes you different? You're going to have the context, the, the basics to build that, fast and fun brand filter. I love this. This is uh, this is speaking my language. It's so much of what I try to accomplish here at this show because the, the biggest crime of all is that when people uh, don't do marketing because they think marketing's not for them, right? This is, marketing is something that big companies do that have a big spend and a big department. And uh, and that really upsets me. It really drives me crazy because, yeah. uh, because marketing is just that. What's your product? Yeah. Who is it for? Yeah. Who, who might want your product? And and then how do you uh, and how do you find them? Yeah. How do you let them know that you've got something that they're going to love? Yeah. Um, so I always say that my definition for marketing is three questions: What's the product? Who is it for? And how can you reach them? Yeah. That's the cycle you do over and over and over again, and you reach them by uh, by being you know through your differentiation and all of that. But I love this. So I want to shift though, and I want to take this conversation and apply it to what you're doing now. Um, so I want you to tell me. So Ike's is. Um, I want to know what Ike's is, and then I want to talk a little bit about that category, that market, because uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly saturated. And I want to talk about how you um, how you've been approaching that brand uh, with these ideas. Yeah, I, I love I'd love to talk about it. Ike's is a um, it, the brand name is Ike's Love and Sandwiches. We've got uh, over seventy units, mainly West Coast, but we go into Nevada and Texas. Um, we've got one in Miami. Um, the founder, Ike Shahada, is still very involved in the brand, which is, you know, a really unique position for a marketer. Uh, he's iconic and fun and quirky, and we love him. He developed all the sandwiches on the menu, some with celebrities um, in a collaboration. Some are tribute sandwiches to people he loves, but all of our offerings are unique and different. And so... Um, he was also one of the first 13 years ago to really embrace uh, broad dietary uh, needs. So we have over eight vegetarian proteins on our menu um, and over 800 sandwiches. We serve gluten-free, halal, vegetarian, vegan, and good old carnivore meat sandwiches. So you're gonna love whatever you try it out, you're gonna love it. And, and the other thing is, it, it, they're unique sandwiches. So I, I happen to have a, a 25-year-old son who's been a, announced he was a vegetarian when he was 
10 and I was working at Carl's Jr. So, you know, go figure. I'm like, you you know, I sell meat for a living, right? <laughs> but anyway, he um, he loves uh, Ike's because it, it allows him to have vegetarian options that are fun and unique. We've got a wasabi uh, slathered uh, vegetarian option. We've got vegetarian chicken, vegetarian steak. Uh, so we've got everything you could want, but it's but it's the flavors that that make Ike's different, and so that kind of leads me to playing with this. But it leads me to part of what our filter is, and one of our our brand slogans is "This ain't your mama's sandwich shop." So that's a piece of it. Certainly, it's still in development, but but that to me articulates we are we're we're in the sandwich category but this is not going to be what what you found down the street or at subway this is going to be a completely different experience yeah so then so then who are you i mean we can probably you know listeners are already bringing to mind who your competitors might be um but in that space right you said subway subway is a competitor who else do you guys consider as your as your competitors because i want to use that to then have that conversation about differentiation and how you're trying it's a great question and it's a challenging one so ike sits in a really unique space for a couple reasons where we are um we the environment is very uh qsr um it's not you know elegant seating this is in and out grab your sandwich in the bag and go eat it in the car at the park or at home right we do have some seating but but um the sandwiches themselves the flavor profiles and the price point are more fast casual elevated our um our average check is around twenty dollars right now um sandwiches are 13 to 14 bucks so we're not in that price point of the Subways or the Jersey Mike's or the um, Jimmy John's. Those are, you know, their price, their their average check is about half of what ours is. So it's difficult. I see us sitting in the sandwich category, but we cross over to fast casual um, kind of price points. Yeah. Um, unique, and I think that that's what's driving our success is we've we've kind of created our own space. Right, which is which is great, and I, I want to make sure that people understand, you know, who are listening to this, is that you know your price, you know, there's a there's a famous quite uh, there's a famous quote that says price is the last refuge of a marketer who doesn't know what else to do. Right. right, when you start competing on price and you start going lower and lower and lower and giving discounts, that's it. it there's only it's just a race to the bottom. Right. And, and I always I always love this, right? Luxury brands, right? The Birkin bag is the most sought after bag in the world. It's thirty five thousand dollars. You've got to go to Paris to get it and wait in line. They make millionaires and billionaires wait in line. I've seen it. It's hilarious, wow. right? But but they say this is what it is. This is how much it costs. This is why it costs that much. And this is what you're paying for, right? You're paying for the status. You're paying for the whatever. And I love this too because you know just by having something more expensive, it, it communicates something uh, to your audience. It says something you know very specific, and it tells a certain group. Uh, that this isn't for you, right? That no. that the people who are going to go to Subway for just the ordinary old sandwich with the the lunch meat slapped, you know, slapped on a roll, this isn't for you. This is interesting flavors, higher price point. You get, you know, whatever that is. That that helps you. I, I would say. Um, you know, figuring out who your product is not for is the best way to help figure out who your product is for. I love that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and um, you know, Ike, uh, Ike and I had this conversation where 
we were we had um, introduced a higher price sandwich. We were getting some comments about holy smokes, like blah, this is too high. And and Ike was uh, clearly communicated that that's fine. Go eat a subway. And you know you may may or may not even see him respond that way in Twitter. Um, but uh, but it, it you're right. Um, you know knowing and being confident in what your product is and what the price point is, you know, what it's worth, it, it's it's a lot. Now, I will say, you know, about a year ago, we had a little um, thing called the pandemic, and it certainly forced us to really look at that pricing and that, that confidence um, and trying to find ways when people were uh, were scrambling and hurting a little bit to offer them a great value, but not denigrate our brand positioning and our brand pricing. Yeah. So how did you do that? Because, uh, you know, this idea, you know, a few weeks back on the show, I, I did a whole episode all about transaction value and price and really yeah. challenging the listeners to, to rethink uh, what what we mean by transaction and, and, and how we price things and, and, and how we put value on things. Because um, especially especially coming out of the pandemic, we've got to really understand, you know, why are people coming to us and what are we offering that they can't get anywhere else? That has never been more obvious than at this moment after we just spent a year inside. I'm in my little Brooklyn apartment and uh, <laughs> and I'm dying to go to a restaurant, yeah. you know. But yeah. so, so talk to me about that. How do you guys, you know, it seem like you have a really clear handle on the value you provide and uh, and how you how you price your sandwiches and, and the value that 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 brings with it. But how did that shift uh, over the course of the pandemic? Well, I mean, it was hard, right? We were all caught, uh, pulled, pushed back on our heels. Um, Ike's, I'm really proud to say, uh, rebounded to uh, very close to flat sales within four weeks after the pandemic hit. And we did that by immediately engaging with our, our, our Ike's fans. Um, the folks that were in our email club and followed us on social media. And, and so we shifted to them, like, you've been with us, you know what Ike's is about. For you, we're gonna get an on-brand, awesome offer one day a week, and we trust that you're gonna be with us the other days of the week too. And, um, and, and the thing with doing any kind of special offer is it has to be, it has to be brand right for the, pers- for the personality of the brand. And, and Ike's, as I said, is kind of fun and flirty. We, we're cheeky. You'll often see Ike responding in, you know, in the way I articulated, like, sorry, if you don't like, if you can't pay the price, go to Subway. You know, he's just, a, he's a fun personality. And so one of the things we just quickly developed as people were talking about, um, you know, hunkering down and binging on Netflix TV shows we developed a weekly promotion around that. So the promotion was um, our social D sandwiches and it was whatever Ike was binging on that week, you know, always topical, whether it was Schitt's Creek or Tiger King. Um, And then we would develop sandwiches around that. So one day a week you could get the Tiger King sandwich for five bucks and it just spread like wildfire. It, It stayed true to who the brand was it gave our loyal fans a good deal. 
but it didn't denigrate the brand or lower pricing overall. I love it. So can we get into the nitty gritty a little bit? Uh, so then how did you get the word out about that? You said email and social. Yes. Um, you guys have, do you guys have one big email list or do you, does each unit have separate ones? Yeah, look, I am gonna lay my cards on the table. Ike's um, from a marketing technology standpoint is a little bit behind the times. So we are in the process of introducing a new website, new app, new loyalty club. So if you do go to Ike's website right now, please please um, check back in two months. Um, so that that's only to say that that like many of your listeners, we actually even though we have seventy units and and you know we're a, a big chain, we have great average unit volumes. We, there were not the traditional levers in marketing technology to pull from that I had at that time. So yeah, we leveraged a good old fashioned email club. We built the heck out of it um, the previous year, which then served us well. And uh, we simply would push out emails talking about the Social D specials, encouraging people to follow us in social media to hear directly from Ike. And um, through those two mechanisms, it, those helped us survive the pandemic 100%. That uh, that's a music to my ears because I've been talking about this for several years about the importance of an email marketing strategy that I believe uh, that an engaged email list is the most uh, important asset uh, an operator can uh, can own. Um, and it really became obvious during the pandemic, obviously, when people used to walking by you on their way to the office or on their way to, you know, their their car or on their way to the subway or whatever it is, and they couldn't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, operators looking at me saying, well, I, I don't, you know, uh, we used to do in-person dining, yeah. and now we're going to switch to uh, to takeout, but I don't know how to let them know. It's like, I've been talking about this for years. <laughs> Um, so it really is, it really is that important. And it just became obvious. People just went, oh yeah. But so you said it was a low tech, you know, it, it's a low tech, but it worked, right? Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, I was with another, uh, a smaller pizza brand a few years back and they were just, uh, engaging with a, a, a very robust, sophisticated, uh, loyalty program, download the app. You guys all know it's a, you know, a Starbucks type program, um, but what they were missing were those people who don't want to download the app, don't care about rewards points, and but still need a frequent personal communication with the brand. And that's where email fits in. So you are entirely right about that. Uh, I know a statistic that says um, only 30% of your customers will download your app and engage via an app. So look, everybody loves to be in the app store and have a cool looking app on their phone but the truth is, you know, a broader opportunity is is through email communications and social media communications. There is no better marketing than word of mouth, like a, like a recommendation from a, a friend or a family member. The Restaurant Funnel sales system is built with that principle in mind, guaranteed to deliver new guests to your restaurant. They accelerate that traditional word of mouth process, utilizing both paid and organic channels. Restaurant Funnel will help you generate leads, will help you turn those leads into contacts, and then convert those contacts into actual guests that will rave about their experience. Through engaging, personalized, and measurable communications, those guests are nurtured into becoming super fans. 
To get started, they offer a free marketing report card for your business. Visit restaurantfunnel.com slash chip to learn more. And of course, that link is also in the show notes. If you can have it all, have it all. Yeah, have the app because those are going to be your most engaged, loyal users and the data you're going to get from them is going to be hugely valuable to do strategic targeting. So yes, 100%. But like you said, I think a lot of people, and I probably was one of them when when we all started customizing these beautiful apps that was just email was an afterthought. And I really, I really saw in the pandemic how valuable it was. And I'm glad I didn't throw it out. And, and I'm glad in a way that that was the main um, communication method for Ike's because it served us well. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I was uh, putting together a list for uh, a brand a couple of years ago, and we had built it up to like 30, 40, 50,000. Right. And it got to the point where I knew that as, every time I hit send, I could count on X number of revenue. Yeah. Like I just, I, I knew the number. I could, I could quantify it. Yeah. I, I knew what the return on investment was. You know, I knew I was going to get about 70 to 80 unsubscribes and it was going to generate somewhere between eight and $10,000. And we just, we knew it. We had those numbers. Yeah. Um, it, it's why, it's why I speak from, uh, speak from experience here. Uh, and even if you're not going to be able to, uh, to tie it to exact revenue, it's such a valuable way to, to keep in touch with your people and to, and to let them know, to remind them what you're all about, to tell them what you're working on, to share your excitement on, on new menu items or, you know, staff members or whatever it is. There's so many different ways to utilize that. I, I agree. Um, you know, a lot of times we just revert to, you know, only communicate out to our guests when we've got a, some, a discount offer, a new product, but. But it really is about communicating what the brand is about in unique ways. So we do things like, you know, um, you, you can get a message from Ike where he'll talk about how he created uh, the Matt Cain sandwich or, you know, met with Halsey and developed the sandwich. So, you know, we, we do weave in different things uh, about the brand that you wouldn't be able to learn unless you were a member of the email club. I, I often say, like, don't... Um you know, don't discount that, that, that thing that you, we take for granted what we do day to day. Um, and that's interesting to people who do jobs that are nothing like ours and just sharing a behind the scenes, some inspiration, a little bit of entertainment, some levity. Uh, it's, it's nice in the middle of the day. That's right. And maybe even more so the last year, right? <laughs> Absolutely. What else was there to do? I got my five-year-old running around every day. Like, the, like there's only so much. There's only so many uh, Legos we can build, only so many times we can play Yahtzee. I hear ya, yeah. So the beauty of this, and, and I appreciate your honesty in sharing that like, the website's not where we want it, come back in two months. We're working on an app, it's not ready yet, but come back in a little bit. We were low tech, we just had an email club, and that was really valuable. I, I wanted people to hear that because because uh, sometimes that's all it takes. Like low tech, like don't think that the barrier of entry is any higher than it is. It's just the people that come in and love you just say, hey, can I keep in touch with you moving forward? That Give me your give me your email address. I'd love to tell you uh, whenever we get something going on. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, look, we, we uh, you know, we incent people. We call our email. We, we created the, the A-list because Ike is uh, his own type of celebrity. So um, join Ike's A-list for all the, you know, the latest news and info. And, yeah, we, uh, we actually, when I started um, uh, almost three years ago with Ike's, 
we we did we're not leveraging the email club we're using it for once a year communication around birthdays and i believe we had ten thousand members and today we have two hundred thousand it's awesome and, and that was really through a lot of just in-store and social media outreach so in-store we created t table stickers with a qr code scan it it takes you right to the a-list just give me your email boom you're in a lot of just low-tech ways to just engage with people yeah, great. I love this. So then, uh, so then, tell me. So you put that little QR code on the table, yeah. and I think we talked about this before. But uh, you know, the listeners of this show are chefs, operators, managers, marketers. They are all industry, and so that's why I like getting into the nitty gritty, and I, I like getting to the details. But so you put the QR code on the table. Was it just a sign up for the A list, or yeah. did you incentivize it in some way? You know what? Um, initially, we did not. We said, uh, uh, you know, join Ike's A list for great offers and inside scoop. That was it. So it wasn't a you know sign up get a free sandwich. We didn't go that route. And and because I think the brand is so uh, popular, it was just uh, it was an easy easy build for sure. And then you know on the other side. We do have a pretty uh, robust social media uh, uh, campaigns across all our platforms. So we're very active in Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I, I'm not worried about the other platforms right now. Those are the, the big dogs. So that's where we focus. And we do a lot of fun, engaging stuff in our social media. You know, we'll pick up on whatever the, the latest meme is and, and apply it to sandwiches. So. I, I think one example is the meme of the uh, the couple walking by and the the guys turning to look at another woman. So we uh, we did that same meme with uh, you know the woman walking by with Ike sandwiches. The the girl with him was uh, the woman with him was Subway, and then he's turning and looking. So you know we we poke fun at other brands. We we just go there and. Um, you know, we, we really have a good time with it, but that's a big part of our brand personality. Yeah, so then let me follow up on that um, because, uh, you know, uh, so I understand. So the brand personality uh, comes out in the sandwiches and the ingredients and the and the, and the kind of things. And certainly uh, on social media, you know, things like that, hooking into using that, that kind of cheeky tone, that, that, that fun tone. How else does it, like, how does it make its way into the, into the in-store experience, into the, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think that the design of the restaurants has evolved, and I use the word design very loosely. So we bring to life the kind of eclectic, fun, flirty nature of the brand um, by be, being very loose with our in-store design. We have purple and blues and yellows as our primary colors and you would walk in and you're accosted by you know kind of the colors and and then we we put sayings uh all over the wall we have ike himself is has been turned into a caricature and he is part of the brand logo his his face and um and his head is throughout the brand so so you'll walk into an ike's and you'll see things like um you know, voted best sandwiches in the world. And then underneath it says, by my mom. <laughs> so we have fun with it. We, you know, we do talk about, you know, ain't your mama sandwich shop. And, um, you know, we have a list of locations, which is Ike's worldwide, but you know, it's, it's California and Nevada. So, um, so we bring that personality of life throughout the restaurants in a really fun, cheeky way. Um, our build-outs are super cheap. We're not about doing, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, big build outs and beautiful furniture. Look, we do these things and, um, and, and really make sure that the brand is, is coming through in the four walls of the restaurant. Now, obviously, you take your cue from the founder, you know, and, and you said he's got this personality to him. Is that really where it stems from, or was uh, or was some of this more deliberate and saying we really gotta gotta push the dial up a little bit? You know what? I, I think it's a little of both. I mean, of course, everything originated from Ike. You know, he opened in San Francisco 13 years ago in a little sandwich shop, and I at the time uh, was working for a competitor, uh, another a West Coast sandwich chain called Togo's, with 250 restaurants, and we were kind of watching this, you know, this guy in this in the city, and we're like, this, you know, this won't be able, we won't be, they won't be able to replicate this, right? It's the menu's too vast, the uh, the number of ingredients and SKUs are off the hook, and he's trying to sell at that time $10 sandwiches. Well, you know. Well, here I am today. So, uh, yeah, apparently I was wrong, um, but I was smart enough to join up. And um, and, you know, he created this brand um, in so much of him is in every sandwich he creates, every name he gives them. And I'll give you another example. So, you know, we are we do have sandwiches named after a lot of the sports icons that he respects. Um but then we've got fun and flirty names. So, you know, one of the top sellers on the on the menu is the menage a trois. And it's uh, it's fried chicken, honey drizzled over it, our world famous secret dirty sauce, and then three cheeses. Um, and then all our sandwiches are toasted. So, I mean, you can imagine what that sandwich tastes like. It's amazing. But everything about the brand from the name of the sandwiches to the four walls to to the founder is very cheeky fun and flirty is what we call how we call it okay so then let's take uh, you know the things we've learned from carl's jr and the things we've you know we understand now about ike's you know how do uh, how does an independent operator uh, begin to apply these lessons to their own brand um, to, to really build a, you know, an identity, a, a brand filter to, to stand out. Yeah, I, I, again, I'd go back to starting with the, the three questions and I was, um, you know, what do you do? Who do you do it for? And what makes you different? And if you could start there, I think that you would, you'd be, um, you'd see with ease how you can pull that into a brand filter, like big juicy burgers for young, hungry guys, simple, fast, focused. Um, so you can do that, and, and we're in the process of doing that with Ike's, like I said. I, I don't have a the, the answer yet, because it's always an evolution. And um, But I think if you start there, don't worry about a formal brand positioning. Just focus on what you know about your brand. So that would be number one for, for operators. And then number two, and of course, because I, I came up through field marketing, and field marketing is all about owning your trading area, right? Three to five miles for most restaurants um, is, and this has been more difficult during the pandemic, but it is getting outside your restaurant four walls and walking your trading area, knocking on doors, handing out coupons and business cards and just say, hey, I'm in the area. I would love to have your business. Do you, do you need any catering? Can I give your employees $3 off? And, and those touch points within the trading area can make all the difference, all the difference in the world. And I think too many times, you know, look, restaurant operators have the hardest job. I think you're managing food costs and labor and Jane called in sick and guess what? The pipe And now Renee's telling me to go outside my four walls. 
um, yeah, it's a really important part of your business. And if you personally can't do it, which is fine, we don't all have the personality to knock on, on doors at the office complex next door, but then hire somebody, take one of your best, most extra extroverted crew members and a couple times a week with, with sandwiches, with coupons, with cookies, and just meet the people in your trading area. It, it it's immensely um, effective. So low tech grassroots. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I, I'm I'm often saying this because I, I get called in to do. I've done a lot of digital marketing over the last several years, yeah. and I always seem to get the call when people say well, we want to run Facebook ads. <laughs> and I said, I said, no, no, we got to do all this. We got to figure out what you're all about. I said, no, 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 we just want to run a Facebook yeah. ad. I said, yeah. well. Who am I sending it to? What am I saying? Yeah. What's the offer? How? What? What's going to make them tick? What's going to make them come in? That's right. The thing that's going to make the offer that's going to make one person come in is not going to work for someone else. We got to get really clear on that. And uh, and time after time, I, I pitch all these kind of like grassroots ideas. Uh, I'll never forget. It was like two years ago. I was uh, I was brought in and I pitched all these ideas and I and I turned down the 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 gig and I said listen you're asking me for my opinion you want to know what I would do this is what I would do and they said well we just want to I get it you just want to throw money at the problem but money's not going to solve it here you know uh, you know spend the money on a on a street team to go you know door to door it was really funny yeah I mean street teams or that kind of outreach it's um it's very effective and it look you know just just like when we talked about email versus app you know ideally it's both right and they're they're integrated same things, I think, with with person-to-person outreach and the ability that that we now have that we didn't in the past to really locally target digital. Like that is a good thing, and that's tremendously effective. But as you said, that's the next step after you've figured out your your brand filter, right? You've yeah. got that first because they will make everything else so much more effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love this so much. This is such a great conversation. And I appreciate your honesty, you know, that, that everything's not all buttoned up and slick and perfect. Um, that, Like you said, that it's an evolution and you're, you know, you're discovering, you know, what your brand is and how uh, your consumers, how, how your customers think about the brand and how, uh, how your brand fits in with their life. Certainly, that was different two years ago than it is than it was one year ago than it is today. Yeah. Um, that that it is a constant evolution. Yes, agreed. And um, hopefully, we all continue to evolve, right? Both in our uh, personal and professional lives, because um, that really is what keeps us going. Yeah, absolutely. So then, what uh, what sort of advice you've been doing marketing uh, for a very long time, and you know what you're talking about? Then what? Then aside from those couple of things, what what then is advice that you'd give to, you know, individual operators, you know, to looking to put some of this stuff into practice beyond again those first three questions? Where do they go from there? Yeah, and I, I do think um, a little self evaluation goes a long way. Look. Like I said, you know, we're not all extroverts that can go out and shake hands and kiss babies. So, you know, if you if you needed a, a strong, you know, when you hire a chef in your restaurant, right, you you don't expect the waitress to be the chef. So identify where your strengths are and where maybe there are strengths within your organization that you could leverage. You know, that uh, friend of the house employee um that is making all the money because they're very extroverted and they know every consumer, every guest name. Maybe that's the person in your organization that goes out once a week 
and and meets the people in the community, joins the chamber, goes to the high school, whatever they need to do based on on your brand targeting. Again, always going back to that, but you know, um, identifying within your organization the strengths that you want to leverage, I think is key. Yeah, and you know, utilizing your so I think what you're saying, right, is uh, utilizing the the strengths, utilizing the assets that you have uh, in house that you've already surrounded yourself with. Right, and if you don't have them, though, going being willing to invest in them outside your organization, and there's there's more and more companies that see kind of local store or trading area marketing is a great opportunity um, where they've even automated that that outreach um, with field personnel. Think think. Uh, think like Uber for field marketing. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of great companies out there that can that can help assist. Yeah, I love this. So it's really about, you know, making sure you understand who you are, what you do, yes. who you're for, and then finding, um, uh, you know, the the right way to communicate that, to articulate that to uh, the people who are, uh, you know, who are responsible for executing that vision, making sure that yes. that they know that. Um, and then I always say it's about creating ambassadors and evangelists, right? Your, I love that. Your staff, your staff are ambassadors for your brand. They're the ones who you're asking to execute this vision and to, you know, to, to uphold the, the, the brand ideals. Uh, but then you really want to create evangelists because they're going to be able to spread the good word, the good gospel yeah. far and wide about, you know, who you are, you know, what you do, why you're different, why you're incredible. And they'll bring people to you and they will just keep telling more people about you. That's that's the truth. And, and really, isn't that what, what Yelp did, right? They monetized the... Uh, yeah, you and you all know as business owners what a good Yelp review can do, or a bad one, or or even Google review at this point. So, so absolutely leveraging those evangelists is key. So, how do you guys do that? How do you promote? You know, it's all about word of mouth. That's nothing's changed yeah. in in a thousand years of business. Um, it's all word of mouth. People trust people that they trust. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they trust the word of those. So how do you do that? How do you kind of fortify that? Do you think about that? Yeah, we have a couple different ways that um, that we've gotten very good at. We reach out. We've got a, a a group that we work with that helps us reach out to influencers. So right back to social media, we all know there are those uh, key influencers within each category within uh, reaching different targets. So we reach out to influencers. We invite them in. We invite them to VIP parties with Ike. Um, we comp some food for them and. The amount of, um, not, of social media uh, awareness that we get from working with influencers and look, influencers exist within New York and LA, but they they exist within your local small towns too, and and often your local influencers are going to be almost more effective, right? Because there's fewer of them. So I would say finding out who your influences are, influences are, and and meeting them, just back to that face-to-face -face stuff, like invite them in, you know, talk about your food, talk about your restaurant, talk about what makes you different and let them promote for you. Yeah, so is that still ineffective? Are you finding that still effective? Because I know it was a really big deal a year ago, two years ago, but, but I'm curious. It, yeah, I mean, it used to be a big deal and it used to cost companies a lot of money, but what we found is, you know, everybody's, the influencers themselves are looking for content. So. I don't pay influencers. Uh, we, like I said, we offer them the perk of meeting Ike, of grabbing a free sandwich, but I'm not paying influencers. That, that for me, that that game's over with. Um, but 
meeting them, greeting them, and offering them the content that they're hungry for, that's that's still a good strategy, I believe. Yeah, excellent. Um, what else? Uh, any other ways that you know they can help magnify that word of mouth, help create evangelists? Well, I do think um, you know this is key. Everybody talks about it, but really, your best one of your best customers is that one who complains to you, right? Because they're trying to make you better. They're just not walking out the door. So however you get customer feedback, whether it's through an internal means or you're monitoring uh, uh, public comments uh, on Yelp and Google, um, really responding to those guests and having a professional on point to do that. So again, it goes back to your organization. Many times our business owners, restaurant owners are not the best people to respond to guests. Although they want to, and they feel like they should, they're not because um, it's too easy to get defensive when somebody's criticizing your baby. I mean, that's just human nature. So put somebody on the front lines who has some experience in guest response and guest recovery because we found that answering every guest within 24 hours and providing them a fast resolution can turn those guests around and um, and create evangelists uh, after uh, uh, of somebody who at one point was hating on you, right? They yeah. Just off because they they got the wrong order. But when you re- when you do recovery and response, it really does create evangelists. So I I don't overlook responding to your guests as part of your marketing. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, this is always that there's a there's a collaboration. There's a there's a dance that's done between operations and marketing. Yeah. Um, w- what you don't know, what the listeners uh, will know by the time this uh, airs, uh, is that I've already recorded a- an episode about difficult guests and it will air uh, bef- Perfect. before this one. And because I, I do think there's a, there's a real opportunity to understanding, you know, like who's complaining? Why are they complaining? And, and, and the best way to, to approach them, because I think... Just like we learned with the pandemic, in every crisis there is an opportunity, and the same is true with a with a difficult guest. I love that you said that. Yeah, I agree too. And I, I mean, just another real life example. You know, at Ike's, you know, we we have a system by which we and a person in charge, a guest recovery person, but they they uh, mine for insights uh, of all the guest complaints. Look, we're a seventy unit organization. We answer probably a thousand guest complaints a month. I mean, it, it just, it is what it is, right? And and so we noticed that one of the common guest complaints around something missing from my order was was around avocado. Avocado is missing. It's always missing. You know, why is it missing? So then we stop and we look back through the back of the line. What is it in the setup of the back of the line that is causing avocado that's clearly added to a sandwich to be missing? And then we make adjustments and we see improvements. So that's a good example of how you can really mine for information within your guest complaints and improve your operations to reduce your guest complaints. So, yeah, yeah, I I love it. This is... Yeah, this is this is so good. I mean, you know, it, it all goes back to word of mouth. It all goes back to, you know, people are going to talk about you. What yeah. are they saying? And yeah. we have an opportunity um, to help uh, not define that, but at least shape that conversation. Yeah. I always say when you think of brand identity and this is I wanted to kind of loop back around and talk about this at the end. But, you know, it's about giving people a shorthand so that, you know, so that they know how to talk about you. Right. That that the words you use, the colors you use, the imagery, the you know, all of that just gives them 
something tangible to hold on to so that they know how to talk about you. Otherwise, they're just going to say whatever comes to mind. But if you yeah. if you help give them a shorthand, uh, they're going to do your marketing for you. I really think that's that's key. And that's a really good insight because you, human beings need to map things, right? We want to know where does something fit. And if we can't figure it out, a lot of times we just move on. Like, I'm not, I, that's fine. So, um, you know, I'll go back to Carl's, you know, we clearly gave people a place to think of Carl's Jr. for, you know, big juicy burgers and young hungry guys. And so easy, like you said, shorthand, people get it and then they can talk about it. They don't have to go flip through the the index cards in their mind and try to figure out who you are. So I, I like that that way of articulating it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this has been such a great conversation, but I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, any last words of wisdom? Any final thoughts before I, uh, I let you go? Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome, by the way. So I appreciate it. I mean, the thing I would say, you know, and I, I've worked with uh, franchisees and business owners throughout my career from one, one restaurant to a thousand. But here's what I would say is, Look, marketing ain't brain surgery. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, it's very simple. It's really communicating who you are to who you want to be in your restaurant. And um, and you probably do know the best ways to do it. Um, and it might be email. It might be knocking on doors. And it might be a fancy app. But, but don't be intimidated. Um, local store marketing is still a key component for, for small business owners. So... Excellent. Uh, where can people go to learn more about uh, the Ike's brand, the stores? Where can they go to get a sandwich? Sure. I mean, uh, check uh, check us out on the website. You'll see all of our location listings, but always go back in a couple months, like I said. Um, we're throughout California, Nevada, and Texas. Yeah, come on in for a sandwich. Um, you'll love it. I guarantee it. Absolutely. Uh, and are you on any of the, the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse? Can we find you? Yeah, yeah. you can check us out. Check us out on Instagram. It's probably our most active platform. And um, you'll get a good, you'll get a few good laughs and you'll probably get hungry. Excellent. And we'll put all those links in the show notes, of course. Uh, Renee, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Chip. I have enjoyed it immensely. My pleasure. Take care. That's it for today. I hope you got a lot out of uh, the conversation with Renee Scott. Of course, as I mentioned, all of the links are in the show notes. Please go ahead, send some love to Ike, especially if you're on the West Coast, go get a sandwich. Thank you very much for being here, everyone, and I will see you next time. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Hames, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and uh, my very dear friend, Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurantstrategy.